Hello, hello, everyone. On today's episode of the Wormbrenner Podcast, episode 11, season 3, we have a very special guest from Europe, more specifically covering Luxembourg football. Here is Mr. Bence Hovat. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, hello, Justin. Thanks for the invitation. I wait to get started, really. So, in my research, I had seen that you were a huge AC Milan fan. And I wanted to ask a question over AC Milan before we got into anything having to do with Luxembourg. What is an improvement for the AC Milan side that you see uh, that you would recommend uh, for the future and upcoming year? Ah, uh, well, that's an interesting right? So, thank you for the first question. And it's just sound like a dangerous rabbit hole, which I've been talking on for a very long time, trust me. But if you're really just scratching the surface sort of lately that has happened to the club, was obviously the second of Paolo Maldini, sporting director position, which needs an obvious fix. And I can't see how, how anything could... Uh, change the better after this because Mardini's tenure, I think, has been dotted with good signings and great finds, especially younger players that he could convince to join Milan over maybe more illustrious clubs in better leagues or uh, with a better reputation. Uh, of course, I'm looking forward to the new era as well, but I think what the most uh, the new sporting director Moncada will have to do first is sign a proper right winger that can produce danger. Because we've seen that from the left side, of course, Rafael Lau and Teo Hernandez shouldered much of the attacking burden. But I think there needs to be shared responsibility for that creative force. And we just haven't seen that from the right flank so far. So I was really happy when Milan were linked with Chaz Oringa, Hakim Ziyech and Christian Pulisic over potential signings in the summer. I was really like to see that happen. But of course, nothing is quite simple with Milan because we've seen a lot of dragged out summer sagas throughout all the month, right up until deadline day, and we were often disappointed. So I can't really say anything for sure. Sure, sure. So uh, has there any be, been any transfer rumors at all toward for the the right wing for AC Milan or? Uh, apart from Hakimi, uh, Hakimi, my bet from Ziyech and Pulisic, that's really, uh, no other big names. I've heard younger players. I've heard. The young virgin striker Openda from Lens, I think he can play right wing as well. He would be a promising signing, but I think he's off to Leipzig now, so that's doubtful. Another great rumor has been Daichi Kamada from Frankfurt. I think he's signing, but he's mostly an attacking midfielder, so I'd expect him to play more of a central role, although he's quite versatile from what I've seen from him in the Bundesliga. So I, I trust him to maybe play some games on the right as well if needed. So that's about it, I think. Sure. Well, I I do wish AC Milan a good season, especially with the way Napoli had been playing last season. <laughs> so they they did really really good last season. So it's it's going to be a, a interesting year this next year. And at least for me, I feel like Juventus is going to be in an, an in another uphill battle. I don't think they're going to get near the title this next year. So it's it's really up for grabs. Just like any other year. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting take, actually, because next year's year will be at least as close as any other year. Roma has had a great season overall. Fiorentina have almost won the Conference League. 
Napoli look like they might be keeping their best players for now, except for Kim Min Jae. And otherwise, Milan and Inter are always strong. I think you have always have to consider them as candidates. And then there's Atalanta, who never drop below the top five. So they are always uh, something of a dark horse in this competition. Lazio, the last season in second place. So they truly do have potential and they will have no major players leave the club this summer. So really anything can happen. And one might fear for Milan losing that top four spot if the other teams can keep up to their potential. Yeah, it's. I think that's a a fear for any team, really, <laughs> except for except for Chelsea in the Premier League, because they can add any player, and it doesn't seem like it's helping them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's good to see that. I think like that is definitely a good sight. It it shows clubs that money isn't the only thing that you have to think about, and that there needs to be some sort of project, some sort of philosophy, some sort of chemistry, and really just due diligence when you. Make those deals. Uh, it, it also offers hope, of course, for the uh, less rich teams who work with more modest budget. And it shows them that they can cook it at the top level, of course, without the money as well. There, there has to be a plan. And for my next question for you, I, I really wanted to ask, what got you into Luxembourg football specifically? How was that decision made in, in being able to cover Again, football football in Luxembourg. Well, that, that's a good question and one that I get asked a lot of time because I was born in Hungary. I, I have nothing to do with Luxembourg apart from being absolutely obsessed about their football culture and their football league and everything that's around it. So technically, I think where it all could have started was when Luxembourg beat Hungary in an international friendly back in 2017, I think it was. That was when I started. Looking at Luxembourgish league uh, a little bit deeper than before, and so I had enough knowledge over a couple of years to start a Twitter account that I run at the moment at Luxembourg Footy. You, you can find it. Um, so that that's when I I decided that in 2020 I could try informing people about this league. I have enough knowledge to predict or or explain stuff about how the country works or what quality the national team is, or certain players are. I think I just wanted to be a good source of information after all. And of course, I needed to choose a country that didn't already have major followings, or a lot of watching guys in the English media, because I wanted to show something new, something that had been unseen on Twitter, and something that could gain some new follower base, and just accept the word, football because I love the obscure storylines, these fairy tale stories that surround football in all the countries, really. And Luxembourg, we're just uh, lucky to be in the right place at the right time in this sense, I think. Well, yeah, that's that. That is an interesting, interesting way of going about it. And and I have to ask. I, I know that there probably isn't one, especially since you cover all of Luxembourg football. But is there a favorite team by chance, or maybe there's one that you go year by year that that's your favorite club? Maybe. I'm I'm really just a football enthusiast, and apart from AC Milan, I do have a couple of favorite teams, but. Surprisingly, none in Luxembourg. Of course, I do root for all the teams in European competitions when they make it. But otherwise, in the domestic league, I have no favourites. I always really just root for the underdogs. I choose the project I like. 
or the team that plays the best football or the team with an exciting young manager maybe or some flashy likable players so it, it really does change year from year so who knows who will be my favorite team in Luxembourg next year oh absolutely that's the, i think that's i think that's what the beauty of football can be as well because when you take into account this unbi- essentially it's an unbiased point of view going into football just watching it just to watch it and you can learn so much by the sport if you if you watch it in that in that unbiased way and and just seeing the as you've already described the culture of soccer in general or, or football in general it's it's an amazing thing and to get get a little more more into the culture i had a question for you that revolves around a player aspect and and i wanted to see if i could get your point of view on it what's your position on a player using a league like the luxembourg league to build build their career versus going to the 5th or 6th division of a top 5 league uh, I think actually the first scenario of, of coming to Luxembourg is a lot rarer. Like we see players a lot rarer than uh, players leaving their elite academies to join amateur clubs on loan or, or on free transfers. And that's because it's a new country. It's all, I think it's just unknown. And many players might not dare to make that jump into an unknown quantity because it's a strange league, it's semi-professional, so that might be what is a bit of a demotivating factor for many young players. But on the other hand, performances clearly show that there is a way back from Luxembourg into the best league, and not only the fifth or sixth tiers of French or German leagues, but way higher than that. So I think a great example of that could be Florian Bonat, who was at Mainz's academy. He's a Luxembourg international now, but he, he was a Mainz academy player. But he chose to come back home to Luxembourg because he really had no chance of breaking into the team of a Bundesliga outfit, of course. So he chose to come to Progress Niederkorn, who are quite a good team by Luxembourg standards, but are nevertheless a semi-professional club. And he built his career up from there in a year or two. And now he's playing for Bastia in the French second division, which is, I, I think, a great feat from a player who had been playing at this level not so long ago. And another great example is Ryan Philip, of course, the current top scorer and top assister in the league and the top contributor in Europe. Uh, in fact, right above Erling Haaland. Philip had been a French uh, under-21 international not so long ago, but his career took uh, a downhill step because he couldn't break through at his team Dijon in France. And so he decided to just leave and seek greener pastures because he wanted to show that he can cut it at senior level already. And so he chose uh, Swiss Esperange in Luxembourg. He won the league. He was crowned uh, top scorer, as I've already said. And now he's primed for a move either back home to France or to other big leagues. I have heard rumors about a certain Champions League club being interested in Ryan Philippe even though he's playing in Luxembourg, which is quite mad and would obviously be the single most outstanding and unbelievable transfer story in the league's history. Yeah, that would be an unbelievable kind of situation for Luxembourg, especially having that kind of uh, that kind of a team going after a player in their league. I 
I oh, I hope it happens honestly because th- that would be an, a massive massive boost for the entire country. I would feel like as a whole, not just not just that that team. And going towards the le- the way that the Luxembourg League is, what's the best way to describe the league there, other than semi-professional, of course? But is it a one-team league? Is it a fight to the final day every single season? What's what's the best way to describe the Luxembourg League? Well, interestingly enough, that also depends from season to season. Happy, I'm happy enough uh, that most of the years we got intense battles for the last place that uh, lasts right into the last fixture or not too far before that. But unfortunately, there are some factors that can influence that really easily because uh, given that most of the clubs, as I've already said, are semi-pro, even one investor could put uh, enough money into a club to pump them up enough to get first place a couple of years in a row and assert dominance over the league which is exactly what happened with Dudelange uh, earlier this century when an Italian owner, Flavio Becca, uh, bought the club and tried to build a stadium and made lucrative contracts, sponsorships and affiliations with, with Belgian clubs. And of course, that provided Dudelange the platform to sign better players, have totally professional team and make it to the Europa League group stages twice in a row. But Becca then took his money at Dudelange in 2020 and started putting it in his hometown club, Sweet Esperange, who had just been promoted to the first division. And now Esperange, three years on, have won the league with a professional squad and way better salaries than any other team could offer in Luxembourg. So they could easily afford to assemble a dream team from all of the other teams in Luxembourg's first division right now. And now they have decent chance in the Champions League qualifiers as well, I would say. So I'm totally expecting next season to be quite a boring one at the top because Esperanza's resources are uncomparable to any other team in the league right now. But but yeah, as I've said, usually there's a bit more intense fight. So, of course, if Esperanza messes something up or if the dressing room doesn't quite stand together, as we have already seen with Chelsea, you mentioned earlier, then anything could happen, and maybe we are in for another win as well. I think the best way to describe it is there's always a sense of opportunity in that league. It it seems like it it doesn't matter the the final nail in the coffin is is never really there until that final day. It seems like, and I think that's amazing. Uh, having an opportunity all the way till the end, it didn't. It doesn't matter really uh, about the whole financial aspect or, or anything like that. Of, of course, finances help, but I definitely think that even with a, a team with a wage budget or, or a transfer budget low, they can make something work. And it, it seems like the Luxembourg League is that can make things happen even when there may not seem to be an opportunity there. And that goes to my next question, is that maybe one of the things you feel makes the Luxembourg League a great league, or is there another factor that we haven't talked about? Uh, yeah, for, for, uh, of course, in several aspects, the Luxembourgish League is a gift that keeps on giving, and the scenario that you mentioned above, or this uh, system that it's set up because of the parity between clubs and the financial level as much as possible, it makes it a really exciting watch. 
because you never know whether the team that had made the Europa League season before might as well end up in a relegation battle. Um, like that's what happened with Fulham Ash this year, who finished second place last season and could barely avoid relegation. Uh, they were hanging by a thread before the last match day and had to play a relegation play of this year to stay up in the division. And of course, this, with this variety is great to see. It's so hard to predict. And most of the, most of the stuff is usually decided on the last match day. So that, that's great. The atmosphere is usually alright as well. Even though games aren't, aren't covered on TV, they're only streamed live on the internet. So supporters usually make their way to the games, uh, in great numbers comparing how small the country is and how small the towns are. There are a thousand spectators or even more at big games or at the Esh Datsit Derby. There is sometimes more than 2,000 supporters, which is uh, extremely high numbers considering the population of the country, I would say. So, yeah, the friendly atmosphere and the unpredictability and just the obscurity of, of football here and the weird storylines that happen sometimes are what make this a truly special league, I think, and just a joy to watch. And I think I think everyone should check it out sooner or later and just tune in for a game because all games are freely covered and streamed. And so that gives people an opportunity to see something new, something they might not see at the highest levels of the game with all the flashy stadiums and the richest teams, you know. I think the I think the word that you used to to help describe it was obscure, and I like that because being different is always a great thing to be able to market as well when it comes to just promotion of of the league as well. It I think I like that a lot, and I I definitely want to tune into a game now the way the way that you're describing it, and just to see. One of the games would be amazing. I'd I'd have to see where I am with a day or anything like that, but definitely something I'm willing to check out. And I, I wanted to ask me and you when we first started talking uh, and had the pleasure of of really getting to know each other was over Twitter, and we were talking about Football Manager specifically, and. I wanted to ask a little bit towards that realm in the sense of how a game like Football Manager could really give a lot of exposure to Luxembourg as a country and even the small leagues and teams there. Ah, uh, yeah, well, I, I'm I'm really enthusiastic about Football Manager, I have to say. I cannot lie about this. And I have the honor to be named uh, an assistant researcher for the Luxembourgish League for Football Manager. And I think it gives me a great chance and a great opportunity to provide the world with some extra database, some extra knowledge, some extra piece of information that they might be interested in about players of this weird little uh, league that they might end up playing in. Because let's face it, football manager is for football nerds. I have to say, I have to say that there's no better way to put it. It's the people that like to tinker with tactics for hours. Is the ones that like to hire and fire all their stuff themselves. It's like, it's really like sitting in an office and simulating a normal work day. So I don't know what makes the game really special, but uh, these football nerds really just try to make their own fairy tale stories, usually, from what I've seen. And that often involves starting from the lowest divisions possible or the smallest reputation clubs 
and building a name for yourself, getting to the Champions League, uh, getting your club to glory. And Luxembourg is a perfect opportunity for that because the foundations are there. It's a nice little league. Teams are into reach. The database is there. You can download it from Steam or from most other websites as well. Uh, if you if you search a football manager databases, it's right on there. Uh, and I'm really proud to to have done it and to be updating it regularly because because of course YouTube streamers or just football manager users can promote the league by, by a great level, I think, and a great amount. If they just sit down and play for a couple of seasons, get to know uh, the best players or the best teams, and they might just end up searching for the next players on Transfermarkt or the biggest talent or see where they are in real life. And I think that's what will get a bigger crowd for the league in real life as well over the years. Of course, the growth is limited, but the potential is there, I think. And it's there in a much bigger level than with any other football game that I know at the moment. Yeah, I... This that was a really nice way to put it as well, and and I wanted to also ask. I remember when we were first talking uh, about Football Manager, that rather popular streamer by the name of Loki Doki had been making videos and did a career save in Luxembourg. I believe the team that he was doing was F sixty one Dudelange. But I'm, I'll be 100% honest, it's been a year or two. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask how that felt knowing that uh, a streamer like Loki Doki or, or a, a YouTube football manager like Loki Doki played in the Luxembourg League in his save. Yeah, I think it was the launch, although it's F91 or F in a non-tish in Luxembourgish. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt quite happy to to have seen it. And, of course, you know that DiCaprio meme when he just uh, jumps up from his sofa like, oh, it's this guy, I know him, I know this league. I was exactly like that when he did lunch. I was like, oh, my God, it's Luxembourg. It's the country I tweet about. It's the country I follow. And, <laughs> of course, it, it fills me uh, with excitement and happiness to see this little league of all the countries being shown around to thousands or tens of thousands of viewers, really, because, of course, that might be a chance that just one of them gets hooked. Because I was there, I watched his streams as well a couple of years ago, all these Road to Glory ones and the Journeyman saves, where he ended up at random corners of the world, and it captured me, because he, I think what he's really good at is grabbing these stories, looking at the teams in Google Maps, trying to search for a story, search for that special element in the club's life, in the club's history. Uh, I remember when he ended up in Siberia, in the middle of nowhere, and he was just looking around. And was all about, and he couldn't really find anything properly. Uh, he couldn't find a house for himself. And it was just funny, of course, it's not really strongly football-related. Well, that's what, get, that's what gets the attention, I think, because that's what catches most of the fans' attention, because they just like seeing these funny stories, and that's what will make them remember that league or that team, or that save. And if, if maybe anyone at all got into following Luxembourgish football because of that, that's already great help because it was a win-win for everyone, and everyone enjoyed it, I think. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I, I th- And 
he goes about it in a way that is just it i don't know it's comical yet serious yet it's all of these emotions all at the same time and i think that's also a slight beauty of it as well is that i i have once or twice done <laughs> one of those things that he's done so like looked at the area to see the housing situation and like i i it's actually it's kind of a um it's a little embarrassing, but but it, it's something that's one hundred percent relatable. When it, if you if you were to actually take a job like that, it's something that you actually have to consider. And he goes about it in a way in in such a a, a beautiful way. It's all of these emotions wrapped up into a ball, and I I find it amazing and and truly great that he was able to do that for not only you but Luxembourg football in in every aspect and I wanted to go towards football manager and you yourself being a a football manager and enthusiast what is one thing that you love about the game and maybe if there is something that you can pinpoint that you don't like about football manager what is what is what are those two things of course there is something that i don't like and i think i should start with the negative the worst thing about football manager is there is always the next game and you can't just quit the game before playing the last game or the one but last or the last league game, or the last Champions League game before quitting, and it becomes an addiction, and you, you just get absolutely hooked on it. And that's what I experience usually. Because if you win a game, then you don't want to lose your win streak. You just want to keep going. But then if you lose, then you have to get the win streak back, so you have to get going again, and you're fresh with ideas. And, of course, that can be a little, um, uh, how do I say, distracting sometimes, I would say. And on the other hand, there's a lot of positives that I love. Because I started playing it in 2008. That was a long time ago. And of course, it brings a lot of nostalgic memories. And then came uh, the later editions of the game. I brought it only occasionally. Because you don't have to have the newest game, I think, to, to enjoy it. It's not like FIFA, where everyone plays the same edition and you have to buy it just to get online and to play with everyone else. But instead, it's, it's a nice little game that you can play with, even if it's several from several years ago. You, you can still find your, your little enjoyment in the whole thing. So that's definitely one of the things I love. Maybe another one is the huge database because I'm really into that kind of stuff. I, I really love browsing through absolute pages of, of databases of random players that I once have heard of when I was little. And I'm absolutely fascinated about every football player that I know and every club and every league. And all the most niche, weird, little obscure leagues that you could imagine. And so that game is definitely for me. Of course, Luxembourg being included is another uh, extra positive because it shows that you can play with any, anything and anyone and you can create a winner out of nothing. And I think that's a great message to send that you can start from anywhere. You can start from the literal lowest point that you can imagine in football. And yet, if you are smart enough, if you make the good decisions, if you are patient, then you can end up winning the whole thing and being the best manager in the world and in the best club in the world as well. You had a way of, of articulating that and putting it together. It, it made it uh, amazing. And I have that same problem as well 
when you get on a winning streak and you just you can't stop. Like people people that don't play football manager will never understand that feeling of just one more game. Just one more game. It um, could all end. <laughs> for as long as you sleep. It's like, you know, you can't sleep without them winning another game. Because then you wake up the other day, load up the game, and I'm sure my team would lose the next game. If I yep. Right away. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a genuine fear that, that people playing football manager is, uh, have. It's... It's just, it's one of those things. It's, it's just such an amazing game and, and the way that you put it as well, it, it can be so articulate and so detailed. It's just beautiful in its own way. And I felt like as well with the way that you had said that anybody could just go in and start from nothing and learn about this game in a way that people people may not ha- have ever thought of before and i think that's a a beautiful segue into probably one of my favorite managers to study of of all time and one that you may be familiar with is Arrigo Sacchi mm-hmm. and he never played a professional game in his entire life and yet won the biggest title in club football twice in 2 years and it's just one of those things that you can't you can't script something like that. You can't. It's something that is beautiful about this beautiful game, and it's amazing. I I thank you so much for your time and just being able to come onto the show. Uh, do you have any other comments or or anything you'd like to say or promote for for yourself? Uh, nothing specifically. I just like to thank the opportunity. This was an amazing chat. I, I really enjoyed it and it touched upon my favorite topics. So you chose the questions very wisely because it was all the areas that I was really most interested in and I think knowledgeable enough to be, to be confident and interested to talk about as well. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And well, yeah, all the best to the, all the best to the viewers. I hope you've enjoyed this as well because I tried to be as informative as was possible here. You you were very informative, and I, I very greatly appreciate everything that you're able to impart from from your knowledge as well. Thank you so much for your time, and maybe we might see you back on future episodes. I would definitely be into that. So really, just hit me up, or or if it looks like the viewers might be interested in hearing about me again, then I'd definitely be. Uh, more than eager to reappear in your show because it's a great podcast release. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye.